cliffcentral.com. JJ Cornish, how are you, sir? JJ, can you hear us? Hmm. JJ? Let's just see what's happening over there. I think we can hear him. I don't think he can hear I'm him. immensely well. Uh, oh, good. There you are. Scared, but that doesn't mean you ask me every time. Yeah, I... I... Sorry. Can you hear me? Yeah, there seems to have just been a bit of a delay. Can you hear me? Yes, good to see you. Oh, my goodness. Good to see you and hear you. I can hear you. Okay. All right. Good stuff. Uh, well, uh-huh. JJ, it looks like you're either wearing a cravat uh. or you have your mask on hand um, around your neck. Are you Are you going? Uh, we've lost him. Damn. See if we can get him back on this here. That sounded like, oh, the, no, most, we've lost him. That sounded okay. like the most extraordinarily yeah. long delay in the history of of doing these online things. I mean, I've spoken to people in far-flung corners of the world where you don't have such a long delay. So let's see if we can get him back. Okay, Here he there comes. He Here he comes. All right. So I much the anticipation. I know. There's much to talk about today. So this is why it's, a, it's worth being anticipatory about this. Okay. Let's get him on. JJ Cornish, if you've uh, just woken up this morning and you're ready to, to delve into African affairs, Here we go. to the right place. Hello, JJ. How are you? Still the delay. Hmm. I'm back. I, I hope you hear me. Loud and clear. All right. So, JJ, let's get stuck into a couple of these things. There's a lot going on in Africa. I'm especially interested, and many people are, Jolligan. in what's going on in, in Tigray, because things are going yeah. from, from bad to worse. And obviously, people are talking about it. I heard someone make a comparison that's almost like this, the, the African version of what happened in the Balkans. So give us the, 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 the top-line headlines out of Tigray and, and Ethiopia at the moment. Well, we have a, pres- a prime minister, Abiy Ahmed, who is not behaving like a Nobel Peace Prize winner. You know, he's rather like Aung San Suu Kyi, who won the Peace Prize and then has disappointed mm. ever since. Uh, he won't talk to the Tigrayans. Now, the fact is they did attack a military base on the 4th of November. And he just said, well, that's enough. And he's now moved in. He has now taken the city, the capital called Mekele. He's taken it and says that you are beaten. Well, the Tigrayan leader, uh, Debre Raison, Debre Michael, has said, you haven't beaten us. And, you know, just after they announced, the Ethiopian authorities announced the taking of the city, Rockets flew out of it again into neighboring Eritrea. I mean, putting, uh, really raising the temperature all over the Horn of Africa. He eventually saw, did uh, Abiy Ahmed, African Union envoys and said, No, I'm not going to get into peace talks with the Tigrayans. He also said that, uh, you know, th- there will be no mercy. So he's been talking in a very, very bellicose, very warlike manner <laughs> about this. The United Nations has deplored it and said they want a humanitarian uh, corridor to get at the people. He won't. Uh, he ha- he says that no civilians were killed, uh, whereas the uh, Tigrayan People's Liberation Front is saying actually thousands have been killed. So you know, Gareth, it's a it's a, an absolutely it's a mess, an absolute mess, and that is such a pity because this is the second most populous country in Africa. And uh, to have the Tigrayans in this way, 43,000 have fled into Sudan and are now appealing for millions of dollars to look after them. Uh, and, and the Ethiopian authorities have been there trying to stop some of that flood over the border. But in all, 150,000 people have fled the fighting. And the UN refugee chief 
is saying, uh, we, we need help. Somebody's got to do something about this. But you, Abi Ahmed, really have to stop talking like a warrior and start talking like a peacemaker. Well, let's look at the AU because our own president, Cyril Ramaphosa, is the, is the head of the AU. And, and he's required to, to make some moves in the right direction to try and sort out this very ugly situation that's going on in that part of Africa. But at the same time, there are complications because they don't necessarily trust South Africa. And, and there are obviously long-standing um, factions within the AU. How, how well is Cyril positioned to do anything as AU chair? Well, you know, for the AU to do something, they need to have some kind of muscle which they don't have. So they can put in moral and that's all they have. Uh, this is what they did. They said what there. They said we Africans have problems, but nothing that, that they've done has worked. And Cyril Ramaphosa has had meetings. You remember he had meetings with Abi Ahmed about the Blue Nile Dam the Trust, mm. uh, South African mediation in that matter. So it's unlikely they're going to do it in terms of uh, in terms of a, a, a more serious an actual growth of a war. You remember Abi Ahmed said, no, this is never going to be. Oh, we just lost him. JJ's just fallen off, but we'll try and get him back. Um, I don't know what's going on over there. It sounds like the most terrible connection in the world. I could probably get to JJ's house faster than I could get to the studio if I needed to, but he's somehow on this delay, which <laughs> sounds like he's miles away. Um, and, and by miles, I mean thousands of them. Let's see if he's back here. Maybe we can get him to uh, repeat that answer because I do think it's important considering it's got our stamp on it, you know. South Africa's involved and our president's the, the head of the AU. He said something interesting there. He said, you know, the AU is there to give moral kind of guidance and leadership. But I don't know that that's what we're looking for here. Do we need another toothless international organization that puts out a statement? Uh, JJ, can you hear us? I've got you back again. Okay, I don't know. Good. Keep disappearing, saying, no. Cheerio, you've left the room, but I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we were just talking about... Matt, Matt, you've got like an invisible bouncer who throws me out because I'm wearing a cravat and spats. Do you think that's the reason? Uh, you've got the spats <laughs> as well. That's very impressive. So listen, I was just commenting on what well, you, course, what, you, what know, you said. Matt doesn't wear it. <laughs> I was just commenting on what you said a minute ago about the AU being a moral voice, but we don't need another toothless international organization, do we? If they're not going to be able to do something, what is the point of having them? Well, the thing is, it's like the United Nations, and I take the view it is better to have it than it, and certainly the United Nations. I'm a multilateralist, and I believe that you can't forge agreements and make peace individually that hasn't worked over the years and when the united nations came along it changed things now the african union potentially could be this for the continent but it isn't so it's working that way but and, and one can get ex very exasperated very frustrated understandably so mm. but the thing is they're hit they they have two problems one is they are loath, even though the african union as opposed to the organization of african union right. is obliged in cases of war to intervene, whereas they never used to, they never would have interfered. But the worst thing is they have no means. They don't have the finances 
to put up a, a, an intervention force or to put in peacekeepers. This has to be done via the United Nations. So, yes, it's right. It's understandable that you become exasperated and call them toothless because, indeed, they are to a very large degree toothless. But uh, it is better to have them there than not to have them, to have nothing at all mm. and expect, what, somebody else to step in on African problems. Well, You've got to start somewhere. And uh, it's it's a slow and frustrating business. Yeah, I, I agree with you to some degree, but I'm, I'm I'm also not convinced that we need more talk shops on this continent. We 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 need more action rather than more talk. But we'll we'll see if they ever manage to get the AU to a point where it can do that. I'm interested in what's happening in Nigeria. We we spoke about this in the news yesterday that there have been uh, 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 there have been more attacks over the weekend on civilians by these jihadis, and Nigeria has been unable to do anything about these people. 37,000 people have died in the Northeast, and this has been going on for, what, 10 years? In fact, 11 years. Hmm. You know, uh, Gareth, it is, and Mohamedou Buhari has declared victory in the past, and here they come again, and uh, they've killed 110,000, at least, rice farmers. You know, so the farmers are saying, what do we do? We stay home and starve to death or go out and get ourselves killed? 50 of them, Gareth, 50 of them beheaded. I don't know what it is with jihadis and beheadings. Hmm. There's also the uh, uh, Islamic <laughs> State of West Africa with Boko Haram, and they're trying to create this caliphate in the north and d- distance themselves, break away from Nigeria. Well, of course, the Nigerians would never accept that. Now, uh, 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 the uh, various organizations are stepping in. I mean, the African Union doesn't even deign to do it or doesn't even dare to try because, you know, they, they couldn't possibly. But the region... Uh, around that Chad and Niger and places like that have tried, but they simply can't. And the worst thing is that Mohamedou Buhari, having declared victory, now has to say that we can't, there's not much we can do, we must pray for them. And, uh, you know, are they going to get international peacekeepers in there? Would the United Nations step in? You know, it's a long, long process for that to happen. And you really have to have both sides in the conflict agree to put in blue helmets or other people, you know, the African Union or the green helmets. Mm. But both sides have to agree before you get peacekeepers in. Otherwise, you have to put in peace enforcers. And that's another animal entirely. Well, another example of of just um, how pointless the AU can be, at least to those who who are demanding action like me. But I think that the Nigerian government have got a very tough battle ahead of them here because these guys are so... um, they're, they're headstrong. They're, they're obviously backed by religious fervor, and they are determined to to keep possession of those pockets of the northeast which they have, and they they have the weapons to make it happen as well. They're, you know, backed up by international terror organizations in in the Middle East, and they seem to have resources to continue to annoy and 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 destroy and and take the lives of innocent Nigerians. It's not it's not a great outcome, is it? It's a frightening one. And you know what I'm looking at? Having spoken to a lot of diplomats about this, this is the question they are asking. Who is supporting them? Who's supporting Boko Haram? Is it it just local? No. It's got to be money from elsewhere. Who's supporting the terrorists, uh, al-Shabaab in Somalia? Who's supporting the uh, jihadis in Mozambique? There's money coming in, and we've got to find out where that is. And that money has to be staunched, because I think if you stop those funds, you can start to get a grip. 
you know, get your foot on the throat of that terrorism. So, JJ, we've, we've almost run out of time, but I know that this is something that um, is, is quite a, a nice story. It's, a, it's about an app that allows Zambian farmers to predict disease and pests more efficiently without having to engage in expensive agronomy. Tell me what that's all about. That sounds like a nice positive story. That, that area suffered the fall army worm. Do you remember that uh, in, the, in the last year? And uh, this app was developed to start working out where this worm would come from, how to stop it. And now we have 22,000 of these farmers in Zambia get with this app called AgriPredict. Mm-hmm. And, and they can predict uh, pests and diseases coming, and this allows them to farm more efficiently. You know, we do have an app used in agriculture elsewhere in Africa, or apps used in agriculture in Africa, that allow you to understand how the markets are moving, what should you be growing? What would be the most profitable? And the more we can use it, and you know, the one thing that Africa has done is use cellular technology, the mobile phone. Most countries have got mobile phones yes. long before uh, they put up telephone wires. They never, they could never do it. The colonialists never did it. So, uh, th- so they've had this and they've been using it. And it's fantastic news to see them using technology, cellular technology, to improve their lives, and in the case of agriculture, to feed the people. Fantastic news. Yes, now that is good news, and it's always good to have a nice uh, positive story to end it with. This, of course, is brought to you by the Johannesburg Business School every uh, every two weeks or so, and we're able to catch up with the uh, the excellent J.J. Cornish and get his analysis on what's happening on our continent. Cliffcentral.com.